You know, when we lead, we're not supposed to have all the answers. We're supposed to facilitate answers and draw upon all of the experts across the different functions that we have access to as leaders. I think listening is key um, in, in order to be a good manager, where oftentimes people will already have the right solution. Um, they just need to be kind of heard and in a way sometimes empowered. You know, sticking out from the crowd as a minority, sometimes you feel like almost the need to try to fit in a little bit more. But my you know, encouragement is, is just the importance of in the end, being yourself. So diversity, um, making sure that everyone has the ability to, to speak up and have a strong voice in decision-making. Those are areas that are very important, I think, for, for leaders. Pharmaceuticals is fundamentally a people business, right? Yes, we make drugs, we develop drugs, we manufacture drugs, we sell drugs, but who does those things? Who invents the drugs? Who makes them? Who sells them? It's all people. Welcome to this episode of the Farm Exec Podcast. I'm Meg Rivers, the Managing Editor of the Pharmaceutical Executive Magazine and your podcast host. Farm Exec is a multimedia publishing brand that brings you the latest insights to master the science of success. Now, this particular episode is really special as we will be talking with the emerging pharma leaders. For those of you who don't know, every year, Pharmaceutical Executive hosts the Emerging Pharma Leader Awards or EPL Awards, and we have five winners this year who we will be speaking with. In addition, this episode is special because in addition to our audio format, this episode will be available on the Farm Exec website as a video. So if you want to put a face to my voice, you can certainly do that. Check out farmexec.com. Now, without further ado, our five winners of the EPL 2023 awards are... Natasha Herndey, Chief Business Officer of Segan, Simon Holland, Vice President of Women's Health at Organon, Justin Tu, Chief Operating Officer for Bridge Bio, Frank Watanabe, President and CEO of Arcutus Biotherapeutics, and Anadi Youssef, Co-Founder and CEO of Juvena Therapeutics. The editors speak with the EPL winners about their personal and professional backgrounds, as well as their career and leadership style, a lot of stuff in store. But before we hear from our winners, let's first hear from this week's sponsor, and then we will be right back with the episode. Hello, this is David Zaritsky from the Agency Network at MJH Life Sciences, and I'm here to tell you about the only award show judged entirely by healthcare professionals and patients, and it's back. We're happy to announce that the Pharmaceutical Executive Apex Awards are accepting entries until May 31st. And just as a reminder, these are incredibly significant because they are judged by your target audience. They're brought to you by Pharmaceutical Executive and co-sponsored by the Agency Network at MJH Life Sciences. And I've got to make mention, it's hosted by yours truly. Yes, I am back as well. Well, we can't wait to announce your name at this very important award show, but you've got to make sure to submit your entry today at farmexec.com slash apex awards. We'll see you soon. Congratulations. We're so happy to have you as part of our 2023 Emerging Pharma Leaders. Could you please describe your current position and its key responsibilities? I'd love to hear about what appeals to you about your function in the company, and is there anything distinctive about the culture of your company? 
This comment is from Frank Watanabe, President and CEO of Arcutus Biotherapeutics. You know, I'm, I'm the CEO, obviously, of the company. Uh, and so what does that mean? <laughs> um, I, I describe my position, I'm kind of like the conductor of a symphony orchestra, right? I don't play violin as well as the first chair. I don't play the drums at all, right? I don't play viola as well as the first chair. That's not my job. My job is to get the orchestra to play together in a coherent and, and beautiful way, right? How does that translate into a day-to-day -day, uh, interaction? I think, you know, there are four big things that I do. You know, the first one is setting the strategy for the organization. Where are we headed? Uh, the second and closely related is the synchronization across the functions, right? Pharmaceutical industry is highly, highly cross-functional and you need everyone pulling in the same direction. So part of my job is making sure that all the functions are aligned and pulling in the same direction. That's a big part of my job. And then the other two things that I spend a lot of my time on are external communication, right? I'm the face of the company, whether that's the investment community, the medical community, um, the, just the general public. Uh, and then the last one is I am the chief culture officer. The only thing that I'm actually personally responsible for at Arcutus is the culture. Anything else, someone else is responsible for. And I spend a lot of my time thinking about the culture of our organization because I think, no, I don't think, I know that pharmaceuticals is fundamentally a people business, right? Yes, we make drugs, we develop drugs, we manufacture drugs, we sell drugs, but who does those things? Who invents the drugs? Who makes them? Who sells them? It's all people. Your culture is about attracting and retaining the best people and then motivating them to give their best. And so, uh, you know, we, we spend an inordinate amount of time at Arcutus thinking about our culture. I personally do, because I think that that's really critical to having a successful high-performing organization. This comment is from Hanadi Youssef, co-founder and CEO of Juvena Therapeutics. I'm a scientist turned entrepreneur, turned like businesswoman, right? Building Juvena from the ground up. I'd say as the CEO and co-founder, who also is really scientifically data-driven, you know, from, from the core, um, I really participate in, in all aspects of, I'd say, the organization from, you know, my most important job is in fundraising, right? Successfully, you know, gaining a growing, wonderful syndicate of supporters from institutional investors to angels um, to collaborators as well to really build the organization and the, you know, it really takes a village to, to build a successful, I think, um, pharmaceutical company in, in general, and, and especially one that has a really robust and scaling platform with hopefully multiple types of biologics we're interested in developing, both on our own internally, as well as hopefully with, with partnerships um, um, uh, and collaborators. So, so fundraising is, you know, then that network effect, really making sure that we, you know, have the support we need, you know, in all aspects of the organization to grow from ensuring we have the right counsel to the right, you know, or, or just, you know, great group of investors to collaborators to, you know, vendors that we use, you know, for, for some outsourced aspects of, of our uh, development process. So I would say that that's really important. I, you know, I like to pride myself in, in saying and truly believe it, a world-class team of, you know, the best scientists and engineers out there that have this really important mission, right? This mission to really develop regenerative protein-based therapies that can promote tissue regeneration repair, act as disease-modifying biologics in order to really improve tissue function, to treat 
ultimately every tissue in the body is our goal, but to do it in a very focused way that will ultimately lead to improvement in your life, improvement in health span, and really just the rejuvenation of lives, right? And so, you know, it's this mission that I think really makes, you know, really drives us um, significantly at Juvena, as well as that culture of excellence, being really hardworking, but also, you know, having fun while we do this, right? We're excited about, you know, being transformational. We're excited about where we're headed. We're excited about the data that we're getting. We're excited about developing the drugs in our pipeline. And we, you know, bring that excitement and passion. And I bring that to the company and to, you know, every aspect of, you know, how I, I share and advertise Juvena. So I'd, I'd say that those are kind of the, the key responsibilities in addition to like everything else, right? Like GNA, you know, HR related functions, things that I'm, I'm slowly handing off. It's really the grind when you're kind of building something from the ground up, starting with seed funding uh, and, and growing. And in many ways, Juvena is like my baby that's now a toddler, <laughs> but you know, the toddler hopefully is going to keep growing up and, and, you know, that's the goal too, is to ultimately make it a self-sufficient company where, you know, I'm planting the seeds, but that it's really the people, it's the people, it's the organization that um, are what drives it and helps with the growth and success of, of the company. This comment is from Justin Tu, Chief Operating Officer of Bridge Bio. The very cross-functional nature of um, this role, you know, I kind of help sit at the nexus of all the different functions out there, whether it be clinical development, clinical operations, manufacturing, regulatory, patient accuracy, preclinical science, you know, no two days are the same, right? You're kind of dealing with very complex issues where there is effectively no correct answer and requires a lot of creative brainstorming, but a lot of kind of cross-functional team input to get to the right answer. And I think that's really satisfying because you're doing things that is essentially uncharted territory. I, I think the second aspect of why I enjoy this role and enjoy this company so much at Bridge Bio is that it's exceptionally uh, patient-centered and partner-centered, where we really kind of try to incorporate the patient and partner voice at the center of how we do drug development, um, involving them early and involving them often. I would say two things are distinctive at Bridge Bio. One is uh, we pride ourselves in, in, in being um, pretty non-bureaucratic, where you know, there's not overabundance of governance meetings that are kind of common at bigger pharmaceutical companies where, you know, one term we like to use is we kind of put decision-making um, at the level of the play field, right? Where the folks who are working on the program are empowered to make decisions for the program um, and, and reducing the amount of go governance and oversight needed. I think that's one thing. Two is we like to think of ourselves as really a mer meritocratic firm where the best ideas will kind of surface to the top, no matter of you know, the title or seniority or experience. And I think people are often encouraged to kind of voice their opinions and voice kind of their, their thoughts on, and solutions. This comment is from Natasha Herndey, Chief Business Officer of Segan. Well, I got recruited to come to Segan when they're preparing to file for their very first product approval. And I didn't know if they'd have a drug on the market or not. I had had such a nice long career at Amgen and I wasn't looking to leave, but the reason I ended up accepting the role at CGen was management's passion and single focus on helping oncology patients. Cancer is a very personal, very diverse disease that affects many people in different ways, many families in different ways. And it just resonated on me that I would be able to focus in one therapeutic area instead of many, that I would come into a company at a point in its life cycle where all of the excellent training that I had had could be put to use, where I get to see a difference with a team of people who are really passionate 
and had to move very quickly to respond to a very competitive environment as a small company. So I joined and I joined to build and create a formal corporate development group. And over time, I continued to do that work and grew into a role now that oversees the corporate development work as well as our alliance management function. We have many partnerships that are incredibly important to the value of CGEN. And so we work to manage an extremely professional alliance management function that doesn't schedule just schedule meetings. They are really thinking strategically about how do we create value through these partnerships, really leverage our respective capabilities at both companies. How do we keep programs on time? How do we get these drugs to patients all over the world as quickly as possible? And so it's really been a delight to work with people who are so great at brokering progress between teams, diverse teams, not only within cross-functional teams at CGEN, but also with other companies that we partner. This comment is from Simon Holland, Vice President of Women's Health for Organon. My role uh, today is the, is the Women's Health Commercial Lead at Organon. And if you, you summarize the, the three areas of responsibility, it would be first and foremost to look after our inline women's health brands. So making sure that we're driving uh, towards our, our sales objectives, our access objectives. Uh, it also includes life cycle management for those inline brands to making sure we're sustaining um, the business for those brands and, and really maximizing uh, the opportunities there. So that's the first area. The second is new women's health launches. So, you know, we're very fortunate that we have um, exciting new launches coming up in the areas of women's health, including and not limited to, to Jada. Uh, this was an asset that we acquired uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, we've started the, the launch of that product uh, in the US and we'll We'll do that worldwide over the, over the coming years. It's an asset, it's a device in the space of postpartum hemorrhage and, and is very um, innovative and potentially disruptive there. So, so that's the second um, uh, piece, Ray, making sure that we're maximizing those, those new launches. And then finally, um, I spend a lot of time in business development in the area of, of women's health uh, business development. So uh, assessing uh, a lot of the great research and development that's going on in the area of women's health. And we've, we've been very proud of the, the uh, acquisitions that we've done at Organon since SPIN. Uh, it's been a number of, of women's health acquisitions that we've been able to, to do in a relatively short period of time. And we're looking forward to continuing uh, that momentum as well. So that's my, my job today. You know, Organon, it's a new company with a, a strong women's health uh, purpose. And so as the women's health commercial lead, it's, it's incredible to have the ability to significantly impact Organon's near-term and, and long-term successes, and hopefully uh, positively impact the, the women's health outlook over the next decade uh, as we really look to to go after uh, areas of, of greatest unmet medical need in the area of women's health. And as far as you know, what excites me about the, the culture within Organon, 
you know, we have a, a number of, of values like so many other companies. The value that really step, um, stands out for me is be real. It's a core value at Organon. It really talks about making sure that we have authentic leadership and strong transparency uh, in the way that we, we act and behave at Organon. Uh, and that to me is, is such an important value as, as a leader to make sure that we're leaning in uh, in that space. What are the most critical assets and skills that you personally must draw on in managing people and in defining and executing objectives? This comment is from Justin Tu. For me, this is kind of one of the same as like kind of what makes like a good leader um, in an organization. I think there's kind of two or three um, different attributes. The first is um, learning and being interested in um, other people's experiences and their like kind of different languages, so to speak, right? So like kind of you know, what, what, what is the day in the life of someone who works in clinical development look like? What's the language and terminology of someone who works in clinical operations? You know, for someone who kind of works cross-functionally, it's imperative to understand, you know, what their roles are like, what their objectives are, and how they see the world, because that informs so much of kind of how they're coming to the table to solve problems. I think the second attribute, and this can be a little bit overused, uh, but it's really empathy, right? Putting yourself into someone's shoes, understanding why um, something is an issue, why, what is meaningful to them and being able to listen. I, I think listening is key um, in, in order to be a good manager where oftentimes people will, will already have the right solution. Um, they just need to be kind of heard and in a way sometimes empowered. Um, and I think the third thing is just um, constant reminders that we're kind of all on the same team. You know, drug development, more so than most industries, is a true team sport where it, it can't be done alone. And I think reminding folks that, hey, we're all working towards the same thing, which is developing new therapies for patients and people with um, genetic diseases. Um, that's kind of our primary objective. This comment is from Natasha Herndey. I think one of the prevailing attributes for us at CGEN, and we use this phrase a lot, is selfless leadership. And that doesn't mean that you're altruistic every day. It really just means, am I making the right decisions for the company? Am I doing what's in the best interest of the company and my team? And, and putting the work first? That being said, you really have to be good at self-care and making sure that you're showing up as your whole authentic, vulnerable, and recharged self to really lead with motivation and purpose. But I think for me, the leadership attributes that are really important is living the example you want to teach, communicating really clearly what the purpose and the vision and the mission are, making sure people have the resources and understand their roles and responsibilities and how they can contribute, holding them accountable, giving them the opportunity to really own their work and be seen for their work and promoted for their work, given new opportunities. I would say really listening to your experts as well. You know, when we lead, we're not supposed to have all the answers. We're supposed to facilitate answers and draw upon all of the experts across the different functions that we have access to as leaders. And so I think really drawing upon and listening to those experts to say, all right, if CGEN wants to be here in three, five, and 10 years, what are we doing about it today? What worries you? What keeps you up at night in your function in research or early development or late development or pricing and reimbursement? And how can I and my team do our part to support this mission? So really being interdisciplinary in your curiosity and your learning as a leader I believe helps a lot as well, because then you don't get siloed into trying to fix 
one problem or capture one opportunity. You really get to see a broader picture and help move toward things in a way that may not be as as clear or prescribed as it had been had you not sought more information. This comment is from Hanadi Youssef. To be, you know, on the more transparent side, you know, I actually feel like I'm maybe one of my most critical assets and skills is in knowing that there's so much out there I don't know and in constantly having a growth mindset. I'm, you know, been fortunate and folks have told me that I'm sort of like a visionary leader, right? Like I have this mission, people get really excited, people want to come and like work and do, you know, amazing things and like put in that effort. But management is not something that, you know, some folks maybe are just born managers. I'm, I feel like learning how to, to be an effective manager. And so things that I, you know, find are skills that I'm, you know, continuously trying to hone is the, you know, effective ability to delegate, to, you know, really set very clear, well-defined corporate objectives, and then, you know, even KPIs and, and to really understand and, and ensure that the leadership of the company is aware of not just their objectives, but the path towards go, no-go decisions so that we can try to get to those decisions, pivot when needed. I think the other thing that uh, my strength is in, in really being strategic. I love thinking strategy. I'm a big risk taker, you can imagine with, with my career, but I also am not afraid to admit failure and to pivot when needed. I'm also really open-minded um, and I love taking lots of advice. I won't always listen to your advice, but you know, I, I'm, I'm like a sponge for learning and, uh, and I like to encourage my team to, to be that way as well. But, you know, want to emphasize that being kind of a, a founder, you know, scientist turned, you know, business leader, you know, I didn't have a lot of those kind of that, the business training, uh, the management training, and it's things that I think my team has been very patient with, with me and, and I'm, I'm constantly learning. So really being humble and in, in what I can offer and what maybe I don't, I can't offer it from, from lack of experience and doing my best to uh, ensure the needs of Juvenile are met with outstanding also managers that, that become um, core you know, employees in the organization. This comment is from Simon Holland. You know, what makes a good leader in the organization today? Um, it, it really is building uh, on those company values. It's easy to have them down on paper, um, but as a leader, making sure that you you walk the talk there when it comes to those company values. So I mentioned, you know, be real, making sure that you are a true uh, authentic leader, um, uh, being, being very transparent. Uh, another important value for us is own it. So making sure that, that all of us from the leadership all the way down um, are being uh, ac accountable for the areas of the business that we're responsible for. Uh, but importantly, ensuring we empower individuals within the organization, teams uh, within the organization to really be accountable for, for the, the work um, that they're doing uh, and empowered to, to really drive the success there. The final um, company value uh, that really makes us a, a good leader in our organization is the value of, of we all belong. So diversity, um, making sure that everyone has the ability to, to speak up and have a strong voice in decision-making. Those are areas that are very important, I think, for, for leaders in our organization and, 
and in other organizations to, to, to really ensure that we're uh, inspiring our, our people, uh, feeling like they can really have a home at Organon and be, be accountable for, for our success at Organon. We talk about purpose and vision. You know, for me, uh, it's, it's, it's always about starting with a very strong purpose and subsequently, what's a, what's a very clear and tangible strategy uh, in order to be able to get after that, uh, uh, that purpose and ensure a success of time and time again, seeing the, the importance of, of making sure that that strategy is, is tangible and, and people can really, you know, not only um, understand what we're trying to achieve, but, but ultimately and understand their role in being able to execute on that strategy. Building and aligning on that strategy is key. And what are the specific uh, strategic priorities uh, for functions and individuals to be able to execute on that strategy is very important as a, as a people manager. And then finally, you know, it's, it's, it's the uh, perseverance. It's that continuing to follow up on uh, how we're executing on that strategy. You know, what are the key milestones? Uh, what's the progress we're making towards that? And importantly, making sure that uh, we employ a, an agile mindset to be open to change and adjust that strategy based on learnings along the way um, in, in executing upon that strategy. So I think those are the key assets and skills that I draw upon you know, when I'm managing people. This comment is from Frank Watanabe. I think that, that my leadership style has largely evolved from my military service, certainly more so than my government service. A couple things in particular. I think there's this perception that, well, I know, I, I know there's this perception that the military is this very hierarchical organization. Uh, and I think on the surface that's true, but actually one of the things that makes the U.S. military great is that the, mil the U.S. military has figured out delegation better than almost anyone, right? The U.S. military has this concept called mission command, which is you tell your subordinate what the mission is or what you want to happen, the end state that you want, and then you let the subordinate figure out how to get it. My email, has the, I have a quote at the bottom from General Patton, never tell people how to do things, tell them what you want and they'll surprise you with their ingenuity, right? That's the essence of how we lead in the military. My focus on delegating and pushing decision-making down really comes from that because I think that's how you get the best out of people is you, you tap their creativity. If you tell them exactly how to do something, then they can't bring their own unique perspectives to the problem. If you say, hey, I need, X to happen, figure it out, right? Then their creative juices get going and what's the best way to get this done? Um, I think the other big thing is, I remember uh, I was taught as a very junior, young junior officer that you can demand obedience, but you have to earn loyalty. If you ever say, do this because I'm the boss, you've already lost. And, you know, and I saw this throughout my career that my military career, the leaders, my commanders who I trusted who I knew had my best interest in mind and who were good people, when they said, I need X to happen, I never asked questions. I just did it, right? Because I knew if he said or she said, this needs to happen, then that needed to happen and I was going to make it happen, right? And that's where the earning the loyalty comes in versus, you know, someone who yells and screams and, you know, carries on and pulls rank. That's, that's not leadership. And I think my style, hopefully, um, you know, I, I'm not the best judge, but I, I strive for that in my leadership style. 
um, to, to earn the trust of all of my subordinates so that when I say this needs to happen, there's no question that that needs to happen and, and they'll go out and do it. What in your career to date has made you the most proud? This comment is from Simon Holland. When it comes to, you know, what's made me most proud in, in my career, a common theme has been this driving access. You know, it started when, when I first began in the industry in New Zealand back in, in I, I began in 1998. Um, you know, I, I started in an area um, with, with Merck or with MSD as it's known in New Zealand around reimbursement and access. And in New Zealand, we had a, a, a single payer um, uh, system in New Zealand. And so it's, it's the Ministry of Health that, that you know, makes, makes the decisions around access. And so, you know, from a very uh, early in my career, I was incredibly motivated to ensure that working at, at Merck, where we were fortunate to be bringing to market around the world these incredible new innovations uh, to make sure that the, 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 the people of New Zealand were not missing out. And so, you know, working closely with the Ministry of Health to, to ensure that we were doing, um, you know, pricing and reimbursement agreements that were not only meeting, you know, the, the, the needs of, of the New Zealand government and the, and the budgets they had, but also ensuring that you know the people of New Zealand would have access to these incredible innovations that 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 Merck was was bringing um, to to the market. And then if you fast forward, you know, twenty odd years, um, we mentioned the Her Promise Access Initiative. It's incredibly uh, motivating, and I'm I'm very proud of what we've managed to do uh, in the last several years in the area of of, of improving contraceptive access. And so with the, with the Her Promise Access Initiative, to think that we could um, enable uh, affordable uh, access to, to modern and effective contraceptives to over 100 million women in those least developed markets is, is incredibly um, rewarding for me. It, it does make me you know, very proud that we've been able to do that. Um, you know, beyond uh, turning now to, you know, developed markets as well, you only have to look to the US, very proud of being able to continue to increase access to our, our long-acting uh, long uh, reversible contraceptive Nexplan on in the US. I think more than ever, it's important that, that, that women and, and, and girls in, in the US have access to uh, uh, you know, such a, a highly effective contraceptive like Nexplan on. That's really been a, a consistent part of my career uh, where I've, I've, I've really generated probably the, the most satisfaction is when I've, I've been able to see uh, improvements to, to access to our pharmaceutical products. This comment is from Frank Watanabe. Personally, uh, the thing I'm most proud of are my kids. I have two sons and they are exceptional human beings. I certainly would not take credit for that. My, my ex-wife had a huge role, probably an outsized role in that. Um, but, I, you know, I contributed something. And th they are truly amazing young men and, and very proud of them. My, my oldest gets commissioned in the army in about six weeks. 
and is going to step in, take, take over for me in, in defending our country. Professionally, I, I think probably Rapatha is, is one of the highlights of my career. You know, that was a program that Amgen was going to shelve, uh, and we were able to convince them not to shelve it and to develop it. Uh, you know, I think we have changed uh, the understanding of, uh, of cardiovascular disease with Rapatha. Um, you know, we were able to show that there was no lower limit to the benefit of LDL lowering. We were able to show that if you got LDL lower enough that you could actually reverse the atherosclerotic process and shrink plaques. And we were able to show that you could add a PCSK9 on top of statins and further reduce cardiovascular mor morbidity and mortality, you know, prevent heart attacks, strokes, and death in these patients, um, including in patients with you know, some rare diseases like familiar hypercholesterolemia, which is just a, a terrible disease, right? I mean, uh, Mandy used to work with a woman who had a first heart attack, I think, at the age of 30. Um, some of the patients who have homozygous uh, FH, they start having heart attacks uh, under the age of 10. You know, these folks will walk around with LDLs of, of 200 or above uh, their whole lives, right? And we were able to show that Repath was actually able to treat those patients effectively. So that's probably my, my greatest accomplishment. I think my second greatest accomplishment is building Arcutus, right? You know, we started out three guys and $150,000 in the bank. <laughs> and we've built it, it into this pretty decent sized, you know, mid-tier dermatological company in seven years. Uh, it's quite an accomplishment. I don't take credit for even a majority of that, right? It's all been the team that we've put together, but that's quite an accomplishment. This comment is from Natasha Herndey. I don't know that there's any one thing that makes me most proud. I think I would look back and I'd say I'm I'm grateful that I had such good companies to work with, such good people to work with who gave me a chance. And I'm proud that I dug in and took those chances. And I worked really, really hard. And it was not easy. There were times that were tough. But I felt fueled by the passion of the people that I worked with, the technologies we had access to and what they were capable of doing. And it really just buoyed me through. It was really motivating. And I love being part of a curious industry. So I guess I look back and say, I'm just most proud of the staying power. I really stayed, I learned, I grew within Amgen and I stayed, I learned and I grew within CGen. And I'm, I'm grateful to be able to see the impact that my team and I have had on those companies. This comment is from Hanadi Youssef. There's been a few kind of achievements that I'm super just proud and grateful of. Um, achievements that, of course, you know, had to do with me and importantly with colleagues and, and teammates and, you know, really like that, that, um, you know, all those efforts and great minds in my mind coming together, right, for, for really important causes. And so just shooting a few things off, you know, when I um, skipped a grade and, and got a great scholarship to go to Carnegie Mellon, that was a major achievement that I knew would open so many doors, you know, getting into UC Berkeley, getting, uh, becoming an NSF fellow, getting my first um, issued patent was so exciting as well. And that was, I think, in it finally, the first ones began getting issued in 2017. My Nature Medicine publication in uh, 2019, following the you know the culmination of a five-year postdoc, was uh, a really proud moment. Closing my seed financing round, you know, back in February 2018, where you know Juvenile was funded, and you know, and then launching full-time operations was really exciting. Closing the Series A last year, um, it was you know uh, over kind of 50 million. 
that was a work, you know, what I mean? that was a very hard years in the making. The CIRM grant that we got, the $3.9 million California Institute of Regenerative Medicine translational grant to develop our the first uh, drug that's coming out of our pipeline, a fusion protein that we are developing for a rare uh, muscle dystrophy known as myotonic dystrophy. So, you know, getting the grant funding, I know that the next pivotal moment will be our successful pre-IND FDA meeting, which we're, we're gearing up for actually in the next couple months. Some moments, you know, people moments, right? I finding my co-founder, Jeremy O'Connell, and him agreeing to co-found and launch Juvena with me. And then our first employee, you know, Dr. Tak Mai, who joined us after a six-year postdoc in the, from the Helen Blau Lab at Stanford. And, you know, hiring this incredible management team. We had a, a press release a couple months ago, but, you know, bringing on our um, chief corporate development officer, SVP of discovery, VP of data science, and VP of preclinical development. So really like other pivotal moments are just the amazing talent, you know, and these just moments of hiring folks that I know and, or, or you know, partnering with folks where I know that by working together, we're going to do, you know, there's just so much excitement that's going to come from this partnership. Those to me have been really big moments uh, in my career. What is one lesson that you wish you had known about when you were starting out in your career? This comment is from Natasha Herndey. It doesn't have to be this hard. Ask for help. I was so terrified to ask for help when I started out. I thought that if I asked, I would be seen as weak and then maybe not promoted or tapped for that next job. And I, I saw large and in charge people always having the answer. And I started watching someone who is on an advisory board at Amgen that we drew upon it in our research group. And he would ask these very provocative and sometimes seemingly basic questions. And then I would watch the large and in charge folks kind of stumble to answer them. And I thought, oh, that's so interesting. I didn't know the answer to that question he asked either. And it seems no one else does. And so it emboldened me a bit more. And I would just say, don't be afraid to ask questions. You, you know, a curious mind is a beautiful thing and you should foster yeah. that and create a learning atmosphere around you as you ascend the ranks of leadership. Ask good questions, use that information. Give other people the right to ask these questions, encourage it, because I think a learning culture is really what makes a nimble culture and an innovative company that, that can solve tough problems scientifically or in business. And I think that's a great thing. So I guess I wish I would somebody would have said to me, you're enough and it's okay to ask questions even if you feel they're stupid. This comment is from Justin Tu. Early on in my career, you know, I was like, oh, wow, you know, 10 years, you know, that, that, that's a long time, like time, right? Like, you know, am I going to be able to see, um, see this all the way through? So kind of how do I kind of solve for the near-term problems in front of me? And I think being reminded of like, hey, this is like a, a long duration game. This is a, a long duration process um, would have been helpful for me early in my career. This comment is from Hanadi Youssef. One lesson is if you have like, a bad gut feeling right, about something to not dismiss it and to ensure that the folks around you have the same more like ethics, morals, and principles, right? That it's not just about someone, you know, having a big name that might open doors for you, but really making sure that you guys share principles in, in a way that, you know, it's not going to cause potential conflict or misalignment going forward due to a misalignment in ethics and principles. You know, to me, like I, you know, there could be an investor that wants to give, for example, Juvenile hundred million, but if they're not a good person, right? Or if I don't believe that they 
you know, are really champions of diversity and uh, women leaders, um, or, you know, are in it for the wrong reasons in terms of wanting to, to help, you know, to, to improve people's lives. You know, they're not, they're folks that I'm, that I'm, I'm a little bit more cautious, you know what I mean? About really making sure that, you know, the, we, we build a community of supporters because, you know, folks that aren't, or that are in it for the wrong reasons could actually do a lot of damage. Um, and so I think I'm a lot more cautious about that, but I'm still very trusting, you know, to say that I'm not, you know, trusting, but it's just, you know, following my instincts a little bit more and making sure that, you know, the ethics and, and, you know, folks' morals does play a really important part to, to whether or not to partner. The other is in encouraging folks to be yourself, right? I think a lot of times when you're out there, when you're a little younger, when you don't have that experience or, you know, being like, you know, sticking out from the crowd as a minority, sometimes you feel like almost the need to try to fit in a little bit more, right? But my, you know, encouragement is, is just the importance of in the end, being yourself, being outspoken, and, you know, trusting in your instincts and knowing that folks that are going to come and support you are going to be the ones that do celebrate you for being you, um, not folks that want you to be someone else or change or conform. Um, so those would be kind of good, I guess, lessons that, that I've learned in terms of finding the right supporters who really celebrate differences and understand and appreciate diversity and how that leads to, to even to more innovation and ultimately more profits. Um, and um, and then sticking to your principles in terms of supporters. This comment is from Simon Holland. Advice to, to new professionals in, entering the, the pharma industry. The key for me um, is to find a company with a strong purpose that you identify with uh, completely. Um, you know, it's uh, we put so much effort into the work that we do every day, every week. Um, it, to me, it's so incredibly important that your, uh, that work you do is meaningful and it's, it's, it's to deliver on, you know, a purpose that you believe in. Uh, I was fortunate once again, um, that when I started out in the industry, I, um, you know, joined a company that, uh, had identified with from a, a purpose perspective It drove my passion, commitment and perseverance. And then I'm, you know, incredibly um, fortunate at Organon that we have such a, such a strong purpose that I know is um, driving the commitments and the energy of our 9,000 plus employees. So my advice is to is to really seek out companies um, that you you identify with, you know, uh, around that, that purpose. What is the next phase in your career in terms of aspirations and building your skill set? Where do you see yourself if you had a crystal ball in say five to 10 years? This comment is from Hanadi Youssef. For the, the next phase of my career right now, it's all about really scaling Juvena to become a clinical stage company with a, uh, a pipe, ultimately, hopefully a pipeline of clinical stage biologics for different types of chronic diseases with successful, you know, safety and efficacy, you know, readouts, uh, both first in human and then, you know, successful clinical translation. That's hard, right? I mean, we are entering definitely that kind of stage in drug discovery and development that, you know, one of my clinical advisors says like, you know, the endpoints and kind of your clinical data, that's like you live or die by that literally as a company. And so for us, you know, we, we were so science-driven, we're so data-driven, 
you know, we have so much conviction in our biologics, in their regenerative and disease modifying potential. The next phase is really going to be translating that into actual, um, you know, biologics with good clinical data and ultimately approval to, to get distributed to people. So that we're just so excited about that, that really transition to, you know, a development stage kind of clinical stage company while continuing to build and, you know, have this drug discovery engine and platform that continues to, to fuel new biologics for development, both for internal and for partnerships. So I think also, you know, establishing a few really strong partnerships, right? Juvena is right now really focused on identifying one to two really strong partners that, that can leverage our platform, both on the discovery stage, as well as on the, you know, development or co-development side of our biologics. So that's going to be something I, I really see in the next five years, right? Is scaling Juvena, becoming clinical stage, securing some, you know, outstanding kind of partnerships, collaborations to continue to develop a diverse set of, bi of, of biologics for different uh, chronic and rare degenerative diseases, potentially, you know, starting to join other boards and kind of continue to build myself professionally as, you know, as an executive in the pharmaceutical industry um, with a desire to, to really, you know, help, you know, many companies and great, just great science and great technology translate into new therapeutics for helping people. This comment is from Natasha Herndey. You know, I really hadn't stopped much to take a breath to consider that. All I know is I love to continue to learn, contribute, be a part of something that really motivates me in the morning when I wake up to do my job. In five years, I'll probably still just be working with really smart people, hopefully contributing to human health and feeling feeling motivated and inspired by the people I work with and the products that we're, we're you know, helping to create. That's probably where I'll be. I, I don't know in what capacity, no one ever really knows specifically, but I think directionally, those are my pillars of interest is smart people motivating work and, and seeing the impact of that work. This comment is from Justin Tu. Given how much I'm enjoying the role um, and the work at Bridgebot, I really see myself here for, for a long time to come. I'm helping lead some of our programs that are now in clinical development through to commercialization, which is really the next phase. Um, so I, you know, I know I don't really kind of care too much about a specific title, a specific role, but rather I just really enjoy the type of work I'm, I'm doing here and being able to kind of work on just really cool science and really cool programs. At Bridgebot, we have a chance to be kind of one of the, if not the leading um, genetic medicines player, you know, that you know, hopefully maybe like the next Vertex or, or Regeneron and would love to be part of that journey. This comment is from Simon Holland. Every phase of, of my career, right from the beginning, you know, when I, when I started um, in New Zealand 25 years ago, it, it's always been driven around what's my ability to make an impact. And so, you know, when you think about the next five years, it'll, it'll continue that theme. The difference has, has been particularly over the last few years and, and as I move to, you know, the next five years is on a significantly bigger scale. So, you know, the, the here and now uh, over the next few years is, is how do we really grow our women's health business at Organon? I'm right in the center of that and being able to support uh, Organon's success is really going to be driven, you know, in part in being able to drive our, our women's health success in demonstrating at Organon that we are improving the women's health uh, outlook. It's been, it's been challenged and we, we get a lot of questions around 
you know, what will it take to, to succeed in the area of women's health? It's a space that a lot of big pharma is not, is, is neglected, I would say, um, has been overlooked um, for many years. And Organon has, has staked out a, a different pathway and that we see, you know, real opportunity in the, in the area of women's health. Um, and so we continue to feel very uh, upbeat that we can not only drive uh, success of our existing women's health portfolio, uh, but look for innovations that, that ultimately will address important unmet medical needs in the area of women's health. And so, you know, for me personally, you know, the next five years is, is really making strong progress in that space and really demonstrating proof points um, that, that we are having success in this area. This comment is from Frank Watanabe. We have an aspiration, I would say, of becoming one of the leading companies in medical dermatology um, and, and really becoming the leading innovation-driven company in dermatology. Um, you know, the company was really founded out of a recognition that because of consolidation in, in the dermatology space, there wasn't a lot of innovation going on, particularly for the majority of patients, right? I think what we've seen in the last 15, 20 years is just startling progress on the more severe forms of disease. So you take plaque psoriasis, for example, right? The drugs, the biologics that we have now for psoriasis are so good that, you know, half of patients get completely cleared with these drugs. That's just mind boggling, right? And we're making good headway in, in atopic dermatitis. Um, you know, I think we're starting to make some progress in drugs like, like eight or diseases like HS, but the majority of patients aren't on these drugs because they're so expensive. So the majority of patients are on these really old inexpensive drugs that, you know, you're having to make a trade-off between safety and efficacy. And so that's really where we're focused is on solving problems for patients who haven't had access to a lot of innovation. Thanks so much for listening, or if you're watching this from the website, thank you so much for watching. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Farm Exec Podcast, where we take you behind the headlines to provide expert tips from industry leaders. Remember, you can always find us on the web at farmexec.com, on Twitter at farmexec, on Instagram at farmexecutive, and on YouTube at Pharmaceutical Executive Magazine. The views expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of FarmExec, its parent company, or our advertisers. And for editorial questions or to get in touch with the editors, please email us at farmexec at mjhlifesciences.com. For sponsorship opportunities, please go to farmexec.com forward slash advertise. Thanks so much for joining us and we'll see you next time.